0: Hey there, and thank you for listening to the Dream Center Peoria podcast. Dream Center Peoria exists to impact families living in poverty, starting with kids and youth. If you want to learn more about what we're up to at the Dream Center, you can find us online at dreamcenterpeoria.org or on social media at Dream Center Peoria. Thanks for listening.
1: My name's Andy King and welcome to the Dream Center podcast. As you know, during this time, we've been doing uh, a new series called New Reality, and we have been interviewing and getting to know a lot of people throughout the community and beyond our community, uh, just so that people can see a glimmer of hope. Uh, There's not much hope uh, for a lot of people at this time, a lot of people losing jobs, a lot of industries are being affected. And so we just felt it was time to present something uh, on a weekly basis just to bring a bit of hope and also for you to get to know the people behind what goes on at the dream center and also people who are connected with us. So today, As you can see, there are two people with me. You may already know Brian ulan He's uh, the development director at Dream Center Peoria, does an incredible job. Uh, One of our rock stars. In fact, most of our staff are rock stars. In fact, all of our staff are rock stars, but there are some that are like, well, we couldn't do this without Brian. And uh, so he's with us uh, today. And we also today have Bob Woolsey from Jones Brothers Jewelers. Uh, How are you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, no problem. We, Me and Brian were talking a few weeks ago and said, hey, uh, who are some of the people in town that we just uh, would love to have on the podcast who probably have not been on a podcast or been on a stage uh, when we've done an event, but who are definitely people who love Dream Center, but also who love Peoria. And your name was the first person, you, you were the first person that came up Uh, And so we wanted to uh, get you on the podcast. Um, I remember seeing you back in November, I do believe, October, November, in the LA. We were coming back from LA and you were there to see the Bears play, which I went to that game as well. (laughs) And we lost, (laughs) but it was, uh, I was there for a conference and you'd gone out there for the game and uh, we bumped into one another at the airport. Uh, but you've been um, supporting the Dream Center in many, many ways over over a number of years. And so today, uh, and that's why we've got Brian as well, because um, Brian is is a great interviewer as well. And if I forget questions, Brian's going get, to get my back really, really quick. But um, tell us a bit about yourself and um, you know you're married. Tell us a bit about everything uh, that people may not know about you, Bob so i grew up in the pekin peoria area uh
0: my family was originally involved in the wolsey funeral home in pekin delavan and glassford and uh, then we purchased jones brothers jewelers in 1978 and then uh i'm not sure the year i know it was my sixth grade year we moved from pekin to peoria so a lot of people don't realize that i did grow up on the other side of the river in pekin (laughs) <laughs> and uh, have some very fond memories of, of that part of Central Illinois, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's an awesome place. And so we moved to Peoria when I was in sixth grade, and the, my father and uncle, Bennett, my dad, and my uncle Baird, actually kind of split the businesses up. So my dad took the jewelry stores. My uncle took the funeral home, And we operated the store in Pekin and Peoria, which originally was Jerry Garrett in the Metro Center. Um, For many years, my dad actually passed away in 1989. So I was a junior in high school. Um, And he took his life and tough stuff there. But, you know, at a young age, I think I learned that there's challenges that are really hard and really build who you are and your character. And then there's things that kind of day in, day out, you know, seem hard, but they're not that big a deal. And so I uh, went on to graduate from Richwoods High School. We had a lot (laughs) of success in football back then, thanks to a great set of coaches. And uh, they really stepped in and uh, fulfilled a role in my life that was needed at the time. Yeah. And uh, I also got involved in a program called Teens Encounter Christ, which was a uh, Catholic retreat program that um, Bishop O'Rourke made non-denominational. So I wasn't Catholic at the time. And uh, that really shaped my, my youth. I uh, went on to Indiana University, came after Indiana University, went on to Los Angeles to gemology school and then worked my way back to work with my mother, Betty, who's now Betty Schlachter. And uh, from like 1996 through, I think 2000 and the end of 2017, 2018, it's, it's hard to remember the exact year, but she retired and uh, I became sole owner. Uh, Jones Brothers, married the love of my life, Mia, 21 years ago,
1: Friday. So
0: May 22nd, 1999. And uh, we have three lovely children, Bennett, who's a senior. So it's been interesting seeing the graduation without school. Uh, My son, Charlie, who's a freshman, and my daughter, Edie, who's a seventh grader. And then we have a, a fourth young man that we've kind of brought into our family, Martis, who's uh, a freshman as well at Notre Dame. And it, it's truly been interesting seeing how the four of them all have handled online learning. Yeah. And the COVID-19 Martis is with his family down by manual and our children are in our house and it's, yeah, there's been a lot of good. There's been some struggles and uh, yeah, we've learned that uh, the education degree that I got in college not going to say it's come in handy, but it's shown me just how challenging being a teacher would be nowadays. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Jones Brothers is my main source of income, I would say. And uh, I currently serve as the president of the Children's Hospital Board. I'm on the board for Big Brothers Big Sisters locally, the heart of Illinois, Big Brothers Big Sisters. And, uh, I've functioned in a world it's now called EW plus, but it's called, it's basically empowered wealth. And it's a nationwide group of people talking about true wealth and what really matters. And wow. one of these days I'll do the presentation for you guys. Cause I think yeah. you'd love it. So it's good. But that, that has been the realm that I've spent most of the last eight weeks in is that personal development of what really matters. And it's been, a gift so yeah
1: yeah do you find it's been uh and you know obviously as we're filming this covid um well we're in illinois so we're not sure what's going to happen in the next few weeks but but um we've been in uh stay at home so to speak for seven eight weeks something like that what what are some of the things that you as a small business owner perhaps has, has had to adapt to quickly uh, not, only, not only with the business side, but with your staff side as well? What, what are some of the things that you're like, wow, this is different, but it may be something that sticks down the road as well? So I would say the
0: the first day of lockdown on that Monday, I just had a strong desire to see what the world looked like shut down. And I realized that it was basically hair salons, spas, People that did massage and nails um, and true retail were the ones that were really shut down. And it was shocking that most of Peoria was actually going to work and most of the businesses had cars in their parking lot. And so that gave me a bit of hope, but it also gave me like a kind of a laughter that I never thought as a retail jeweler that I would actually be in the center of a crisis. (laughs) Usually retail jewelers, unless you're getting robbed are not in the center of a crisis. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so I never dreamt that we would have to lock the door and figure out like what to do. So the things that I look at and really highlight that the government did well to support us um, things we had to figure out was the uh, initially the EIDL loan which was the um, emergency disaster loan
2: yeah. and
0: then the PPP and, and for our business I feel lucky because we were able to shut down, get the PPP loan very early, which meant that we kept all of our people on the payroll. We had leadership team meetings. Um, we had team huddles Tuesday through Friday. Our team was reaching out to their clients. They were doing webinars. They were working on things that you just don't have time to do and you're open. Yeah. And so we took the path of really, how can we take our store from here to here? during the uh, COVID quarantine. And I mean, I came into work every day simply because we have a safe that has a lot of people stuff in it, not only my family's, but other families. And uh, I found it important to make sure that everything was okay. And, yeah, you know, we, we, we did things that it, it, was, it was odd that nobody was here, but, you know, I came in with my accountant Um, other people would come in, you know, here and there to help, you know, do different things. And it really built our team in a different way. Yeah. And I feel blessed that we went the path of keeping everybody because we stayed engaged. And I think it was two weeks ago, Friday, if not three, we were allowed to open curbside and the team was really excited and ready to put certain things into place, um, that, I don't know that we would have been ready had we furloughed everybody and everybody was grateful to know that they have a paycheck. Everybody was grateful to know that they have a purpose. And I think that that's the, the greatest thing that I've seen in Peoria is we're not dependent upon tourism, at least yet. Right. I don't know that that's going to happen or not. Um, you know, we're not dependent upon a lot of things, those sectors that have really shut down. And we have a healthcare community through OSF and unity point, that you know early on built the Saint Gabriel Hospital at Jump, which was the digital response to the entire area, and even supported Chicago. And even you know Dr. Vaz was on one of the um, Illinois, the Governor Pritzker's daily press conference. And and what I felt from the beginning is, from a health perspective, our community is extremely flexible, extremely capable, and extremely like cutting edge when it comes to this so yeah i really feel like our area has managed this well and i think that we have a lot of potential to come out of this stronger than a lot of areas
1: yeah
0: and i think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to move back to a place like peoria where a pandemic can be managed whereas you know i always say that even our public housing most of the people who live in public housing enter and exit their residence through their own door. They don't ride big elevators and they're not big high rises. And so there's a level of safety and security that even with the most needy in our community that they've had through this, that really, you know, is a positive.
1: So, yeah, that's good. That's good. We've also got Brian on uh, with us today. And I know uh, Brian, you've had a lot of interaction with Bob just wanted to see if you, uh any types of insight or questions uh, with what Bob's been as, talking about?
2: As I'm, as I'm listening, the little bit I know about your culture, Bob, I think as you've described it, although you guys sell jewelry, right? Um, you say that you're, you're not in the business of jewelry, but like in special moments. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of had this unique culture going into COVID. What would you say to a, a family or a small business who is, going through this and then recognizing that, okay, the way I've done things has got to change. Uh, they didn't go into it as healthy of a spot as you are, but they're starting to realize we got to change. How do, how do you start changing a culture in the middle of a crisis?
0: Well, if I could have shared four weeks ago or eight weeks ago, I would have probably advised different than now. Um, I would say right now, people are like just wanting something to celebrate. People are wanting to go out and get their hair done. People are wanting to go, whether it's to a, you know, a bar with friends or to a restaurant with friends. I think people have eaten out through the curbside, but I, I mean, the pictures in Wisconsin were extremely controversial, but I was on a webinar with somebody that said that just shows how bored we are. And I said, no, that shows how, like much we desire interaction, how much we want to go to church, how much we want to be a part of a community. And the Zoom environment has been great to connect with family and friends across the globe. I have a friend who's a very high leader in the army that's you know in European command right now in Germany. It's been great to touch base with him, but you can't like feel that sense of community the same way on technology. And so whatever they do as a business, connecting to people in a very human, very natural way that they're comfortable connecting is to me where I would start. And it's not the new normal. It's what did you do well from the beginning that people loved you for? And lean into that because everybody's business is loved for something. So lean into that. And I the other piece that if if the capital and the success situation is good enough, um, I'm a big proponent of failing fast, meaning try things that you would have never tried before, because right now, I mean, it's not just the PPP that's forgiven. It's we're all in this funky world. So if you try something new and it completely succeeds, you look like the visionary of all visionaries. And if you fail, well, it was COVID. You know, we tried something new and it didn't work.
1: Yeah. So that's good. That's good. That would
0: be my, and and the other piece that like, I'm in a group of jewelers, 12 jewelers across the country. And every Wednesday we've met for an hour and a half and some have gone two and a half hours, find a network within your own industry, because you're all facing the same stuff at different times. And so we're, we have two stores in California in the group, and one in Hawaii, and those will be the three last to open, but almost everybody else has opened. So there's a way of finding out what best practices have worked and haven't worked. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you do nails and you're in a nail salon and you've been relatively insulated to Peoria, I go on a Facebook group and find a group of nail salon owners in States that have opened and said, how have you succeeded? Because there's a lot of wisdom out there, and we are because we're in Illinois, slow to the table and opening, which is in some ways hard, but it's also a gift because you can find out what hasn't worked.
1: That's good. Yeah, we we've got um, close friends. Um, you know, just mm-hmm. piggy- piggybacking off what you're talking about with finding people who are doing what you do. Um, just, uh, we've had a great friendship with. Southside Mission and Pure Rescue Ministries and being able to just give them a call, whether it's the executive director or someone who's running the homeless shelter or whatever it is within that within in that nonprofit. It's just been good to know that there's someone else who's also going through what you're going through, but they come back at you with hope. And hey, we can get through this, especially if we're Sharing with one another on what is going on, and and that's been really valuable for us in in our industry. It's um, it's hard to say, but it's not the norm to really rally around one another, other nonprofits, and 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 do that. And we've really tried to break that. We did a conference last year, the three three organizations together. But there's so much value. One of our staff core values is better together and as a staff or as other uh, non-profits we are always better together than apart And, and I totally hear what you're saying leaning into people who are going through what you're going through so you can you can also not only find different different things that may be struggling with but also you can champion one another and lift one another up if someone is getting a little bit weighed down so um we were talking before we started recording um but you were sharing about your staff and how you've had to really try and um like slow down right leaders and visionaries especially we're always like seeing the next thing what mountain are we going to take next but yet in a time like this, you've got to really try and explain that because you've got time to. And, and when you were talking about it earlier, uh, it just resonated with me. Can you share just a bit about the things that you had seen in the last year? Yeah, so weeks?
0: early on during the COVID time, we were big into a, I don't know, a, it's not really a personality profile. It's how you're wired to interact with the world. And it's called the Colby index and Kathy Colby was Wunderlich's daughter and the Wunderlich test is very academic, your, your cognitive ability to grasp, um, you know, level of intelligence, I guess. Well, yeah. his daughter created a thing called the Colby index, which is how you're born to interact with the world, which is the conative, C-O-N-A-T-I-V-E. And my wife has actually been certified to be a consultant in Colby and I think it was the first week of COVID, Kathy Colby, this tiny little 80 year old woman did a webinar about how people with certain Colby's are gonna interact with COVID. And so the fact find, it goes, it's your either a fact finder, follow through quick start implementer, and a fact finder needs all the details before they make a decision, Um, follow through is going to be something that you give a task to and they're gonna follow through quick start means you're gonna be like let's go where are we going we'll figure it out but we know where we're going we're going somewhere (laughs) and then the implementer is more of the artist that likes to build implements and use their hands and so I was sitting on that call and this cute little 82 year old woman in Arizona who can't figure out how to use the technology says I've already made a decision that I'm going to give a hundred thousand free Colby indexes to the kids that are from 13 to 18 in this country. You just have to use this. And she goes, and that's the last decision that my team has allowed me to make during this whole time. (laughs) Because I mean, it was like $3 million worth worth of, of indexes that they would do if they would have charged for them. Because I think they're $30 per. And she goes, Quick starts, which I am, and I have a feeling, Andy, you are as well, but they're, they thrive in a crisis. And she said, You're going to lean into this crisis and you're going to be like, I want to do this and I can start this and I can start this and da da da. She goes, You need people to hold you back yeah. because there is a threshold of capability at a time like this that you can't just go do everything. Mm. And so, what I found through it, through Patrick Lencioni and his table group, was just a real simple model of develop a cohesive leadership team, create your rallying cry, communicate your rallying cry, over-communicate your rallying cry, and communicate it again. And it was a way of me saying, I, I need to create a rallying cry, which I did. We're going to work as a team to help people celebrate. It's pretty simple.
2: Yeah.
0: Take a step back, communicate that, communicate it again, communicate it in many different ways ways. Glenn Rothman, who started Hearts on Fire one time said, you need to tell them 120 times in seven different ways before they understand it. Whether you're talking about your team, your children, whatever, everybody hears things differently. So it's that over communication in many different ways. And so really pulling back and saying, slow down, stop, notice, And breathe. Eric Gabrielson, who's written a great book on fear in Minneapolis, whose father-in-law passed away of COVID, he—he, I noticed on his signature on his emails, it says "Stop, notice, and breathe." So I've tried to stop, notice, and breathe. Mm. And I will say that I have created two or three new businesses and assisted someone else on kind of getting their consulting practice going. Um, The exciting one is the potent gratitude that kind of started as I was going to go down downtown Peoria where my mom lives to to see her one day and I had like three hours to do it so I was like forget it I'll just run down which is about nine miles and if I took the trail it was going to be like 11 miles and so I decided to run straight down Knoxville and the amount of people that I saw that I knew and then I started taking pictures of different companies and took pictures of the health system and where my wife and I got married. And and all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is what's going to occupy my time for the next however long this takes is going around and being physically active, number one, but also highlighting kind of stories in my life that have mattered and businesses that have mattered. And I I felt like Forrest Gump. There There was one day where I was out on the Peoria country club golf course. And I had run to somebody's house to take a picture that I'd grown up with. And I just looked around. and I'm like, I don't know that I can run anymore. And then I started running again and somebody called me and I'm like, thank goodness you called because I don't think I could have run anymore. And whenever people would call, I'd stop. So that potent gratitude will become some level of my giving back charitable. Yeah, Potentgratitude.com. It's not built up yet, but it's – Really, building some level of charity and foundation and contribution back through the practice of gratitude, and I've I've got some things going in that, and I made quite a few videos on that.
2: Okay. And then
0: I have something, you know, in my back pocket with the business that I'm excited about that more to be seen later on that. <laughs> yeah, one. don't give so. us
1: all your secrets oh. yet. But but I know Brian, you you said how that had been impacting you, seeing the imagery of different places. Uh, tell us a bit about that, Brian. How are,
2: how are people reacting to it, Bob? Are you starting to, are you seeing mindsets change by you simply sharing what you're grateful for? What, what, how are you seeing people react?
0: I will say that, like kind of friends from all over the country that grew up here, were like, hey, you know, thanks for sharing. You know, it, it kind of brought back some nostalgia um i know for me i mean i did a like a facetime call or i tried to with the friend best man of my wedding in front of his house and he was like man you know (laughs) and so that part was very impactful to people outside of here um dr rick pearl who i always give credit for the milestone building and jump simulation center because he's from new york and acts differently than us here in the central illinois area when somebody says no you kind of say oh okay thanks rick's like What do you mean no? So we were on the Children's Hospital board meeting um, call the other or board meeting. Yeah, I guess it was a Skype meeting the other day. And he said, thank you. He's like, I've lived here many years, but I've never seen the area through the eyes of somebody who grew up here. Mm. And so there's a lot of places that, you know, a lady that works at our store, she goes, I didn't even know Asia Grill existed. And she ordered shrimp fried rice. And she's like, that's like my new favorite restaurant. Yeah. So there's. There's a lot of places when you slow down again and you start to recognize all the little wonderful gifts in this community, like Christ Lutheran. I didn't know anything about Christ Lutheran, except they had really good sports and they were on the South side and Howard Nathan went there, who was my age. And I think best basketball player that I've ever seen come out of Peoria and Martise actually attended school there last year. And if it weren't for him going there, I wouldn't have even know it existed, but I went down and took a picture of Christ Lutheran because that's a really cool place that not a lot of people again know exists. So the impact for me was just, you know, it gave me something to do, um, kept me active. I rode my bike to Pekin one day in a really bad <laughs> windstorm, and the bike paths from Peoria to Pekin, like through Bartonville, are wonderful. It's it's. I'm not gonna say I'd send my kids there, but it's pretty safe. <laughs> Yeah. But the wind was so bad that coming over the bridge, going into Pekin, I, I didn't know if I was not gonna like get blown into the river. So, but then you get over on the other side, and there's a sign that says Pekin welcomes you, and I was like,
2: Oh, thank you, Pekin. So
0: <laughs> it was, it was cool, and I I got on my bike because my sister, who's a physician, who's actually consulting, um, senior living facilities out west in multi-state area. She's a doctor and a consultant about how to keep the most vulnerable safe through this crisis and she's quite an expert at it she's the one who said if your legs are hurting you might want to get on your bike so i ride my mom's bike with a little basket so i can put stuff in the basket and it was funny the day that i rode to pekin jim Stoll was riding in front of me up mount holly road and he's riding like you know one of those bikes with the big handles and the big seats and he had i think he had black shorts and like a black sweatshirt or something like that. It was the exact same outfit I had on on almost the exact similar bike. And this guy on like a really like tricked out road bike with all of his tight pants and tight shirt with his, you know, bars in the back as he was going on a nice long ride. He literally looked at me and just kind of was like, like what what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to beacon. Like <laughs> um,
1: that's good. But that's yeah, good. it
0: was I, it was impactful, and I think it really solidified what Potent Gratitude will be for me as a as an organization going forward, and the Potent just is an acronym for things you can be grateful for, so people or person, opportunity, thing, experience, nature, or thought, and so it's a daily practice that I journal through That's prayer. Awesome. Yeah. Um, years ago, in a Fellowship of Christian Athletes Bible study, I learned that, again, with my brain that never stops if I slow down to write down my prayer every morning and I do it through potent gratitude uh, it starts the day off right so I'm excited to take the potent gratitude to the next level and who knows where it'll go so that's
2: good anybody's looking go to go to Bob Woolsey and Mia Woolsey on Facebook that's where you guys post that and Yeah. yeah it's been pretty cool you guys do a lot of campaigns like that where you stick with a common theme for x period of time and it's fun to follow you on that. Mamma Mia with them. Oh, Mamma Mia! Yeah, where is she on this call? She
0: she is trying to retire from being a teacher in the (laughs) e-learning scope, but as many parents have found, there's just a couple assignments that just keep hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. So
2: yeah, talk about your kids, Ben, uh, Bob, maybe Bennett in particular, because you hear a lot of people talk about how different generations are struggling with this or working through it. And I know you really have a heart and a mind for mentoring young people. It's probably always harder when it's your kids, but what, what do you see in uh, Bennett go through? What are you most, maybe proud of him as he, uh, as he's managing this? And uh, what are some things you're trying to help him discover that you've discovered and you wish you would have learned earlier?
0: First of all, I think he has thrived in this because, as a graduate that was never really into normal school, Mm. um, he got his graduation present early, which was a BMX, and he has been out riding his bike BMX more than and learning tricks and doing this and doing that, which is, you know, safe being outside. Um, And he really hasn't been that nostalgic or missing out on the graduation and all that. I think part of it is because. From a perspective, he's our first child, so he's never gone through what graduation looks like or what the last day of school or, yeah. you know, I mean, my last week at Richwoods was fantastic. I mean, we, we did a lot of stuff that we don't need to share, but it was fun and it was like, woohoo, we're done and, you know, the, the senior thing. But when you don't have that perspective of what that means, it's okay. It, it's just yeah. the new kind of normal um, I think he's probably a little more upset that the summer camp he works at in Rhinelander, Wisconsin is going to start at the end of June or July when it might be tough for him to go up there and work. Um, and he's also not been able to visit the college he's going to, but he's super excited about going there um, because it's a, he'll major in a program of high-performance motorsports, which is really hands-on learning, which I think what I've learned through COVID is you can – you can really see what your kids are interested in
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we've leaned into that and uh my middle son charlie is an avid fisherman um and really into basketball and i've never seen a kid work harder in my life i mean he's doing steph curry's masterclass. he's you know done outside workouts with kids in the neighborhood uh i learned with steph curry's masterclass: if it's not a swish it doesn't count so You have to make 70 shots but they all have to be swishes so it's like oh wow yeah it's crazy and then uh my daughter who's in seventh grade who's much like me um and during the colby presentation kathy colby said your quick starts are going to sit down at the kitchen table and they're going to say family we're playing a game (laughs) and they're going to jump up on the table if nobody plays and says we're playing a game and she's been doing that throughout and let's just say that they're not the kind of games that the boys like to play that they don't include Xbox or their friends. So, um, but I I will say that there is, there are children that are probably going to be engineers and accountants, the fact finder follow throughs that are really going to thrive because they can provide themselves with the structure needed to get through it. Cause there's a lot of self-management and kids like three of mine, so I've got four, so three of mine. I'm not going to indict all of them that are more along the ADHD spectrum. Yeah. Um, they thrive being able to have their freedom and being outside of school, but they struggle to self-manage the structure needed to get through online learning. And I think what I have seen through Martis and, and the kids that are, you know, in poverty, there's a lot there with online learning that they don't have the the wifi capacity. They don't have the technology capacity. They don't have the parental support that right. is on them all the time. And in the process, it becomes, I think a real challenge because there's not as many outlets. I mean, we have a basketball hoop, all the hoops that are for public use were, take down, were taken down. So you've got a group of kids that can't play basketball. And, and you know, so it, it's, that part I think has been very interesting as well just to see how something like this really does affect different groups differently yeah and so I've been very conscious of that
1: Bob I know you've been on a bit of a journey with us at the dream center and you've obviously just talked about you know seeing families that um are in poverty which is is what you know we we do in trying to really impact those families that are in poverty, and we've seen the same thing with our um, out-of-school, after-school program. Obviously, we can't be doing our summer camps or our after-school programs, so we have taken our workers uh, and even some volunteers to the kids. We've got, you know, we we purchased 20 laptops. Everyone's got their hotspot. We're going into the homes, Um, but you're absolutely right. It's one of those things that, you know, everyone just um, thinks that Wi-Fi is everywhere and that um, a mom or a dad are in the home. And what we've noticed and seen firsthand is just someone being there for the kids, not just at the Dream Center, but now in the home has been, been huge. Um, Tell us a bit about your journey with the Dream Center. You know, what was it that, was like, man, I, I want to hang around these guys a little bit more, get involved. Uh, you've done some real unique things over the years with our uh, end-of-year events. Tell us a bit about that side of, of you because many people may not know that about you with regards to the Dream Center.
0: So Brian introduced me to the Dream Center. Um, Brian used to be in the world of the Boy Scouts, and my son, Bennett, is a actually at the end of his reign, um, getting to Eagle Scout, but has hit that COVID wall of his packets submitted. It's just, how do you, how do you do your, I don't know if it's board of review final, you know, the final meeting to get it stamped and done. Uh, Brian and I worked, worked a lot together on, in the scouting world. And, uh, when he approached me for the heart of Illinois or heart of Peoria, love Peoria.
1: Love Peoria. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, <laughs>
0: um, campaign. I really had a chance to take the tour and see exactly what was happening in the the building where I started my swimming career, which
2: <laughs>
0: didn't last that long. But anyway, and uh, I'm very passionate and have been through Big Brothers Big Sisters to get to know the Taft Homes, to get to know what mentoring looks like, to get to know what poverty is in the population and as a quick start i am very much into organizations that see a need and meet a need they don't stop gather all the details yeah figure out exactly what they need to do as a project and then go you guys are like the ultimate entrepreneurial um philanthropic organization and faith-based so it's very your culture, your modus operandi, your your brain is exactly the way I like to function.
2: It's messed up just like yours. Is that what you're saying? What's that? Our brain is messed up just like yours. <laughs> your brain is capable of solving huge problems and aren't afraid
0: to just go and fail and okay, we'll figure it out some other way. So I just appreciate the entrepreneurial philanthropic guidance and i'm passionate about kids i'm passionate about kids that you know need a a hand to get to where they need to go and when they do they thrive and so uh, i love and i love utilizing buildings like the y and putting a big sign on it that that make people think and i think that you guys have done a great job of saying hey you might live in this city or this community, but we're all a part of Peoria and we all work here. And it, yeah. we're all one team working towards a common goal. So
1: that's good, that's good. Well, we're gonna wrap up in just a moment, but I know, and you know, Bob, uh, especially in Peoria and Illinois, one of the last states to really start getting people back to work. What are some of the uh, words of encouragement that you'd want to share just with some other small business owners uh, around town that may be listening to this?
0: I think it really depends on the sector that you're in. Um, If you're in a sector that's completely, you know, shut down like the hair salons um, have hope because hope Plus action means anything's possible. And I have faith that as of the beginning of June, that there will be some guidance and there will be a possibility. And I think that the restore heart of Illinois plan that was put together, whether it's accepted or not, I think that's something to lean into from a hope perspective and use that as guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, I would lean into your local leadership, whether it be, um, Mayor artist, your state's attorney, Sheriff Aspel, whomever, just to ask the questions of, you know, so that you can get all the information and don't get all your information from social media, because it's easy to get wrapped up into this. There is no hope. And the final bit of hope that I will give is people are not going to travel, which means they're going to spend their money locally. And I can guarantee you that most of your best customers usually travel in the summer and spend a lot of that money. And I would start some level of conversation around your best customers and people that, that you love and that love you about spending some of that money with you since they're not going to spend it on, uh, on their vacation. So I think there's a lot to be hopeful for. And I think the biggest thing is just stay engaged, yeah. stay active. And we had a, a lady that had just started a business right before COVID and was not able to open her doors. And I, I noticed she had made a post on Facebook that was like, you know, simulating that she was drowning. And I said, I need you to right now, just grab a sheet of paper and write everything you're grateful for and use potent person opportunity thing, experience, nature, thought, and write them all down. And then let me know how you feel after you're done. So get engaged in writing down things you're grateful for because there's still a lot of things to be grateful for.
2: Yeah.
0: and you will have a mind shift.
1: That's good, that's good. Well, uh, we just wanna say thank you, Bob, for being with us today. I know this has been an amazing conversation. I know it's gonna encourage so many people that have been listening. And again, if you're listening and you're wanting more information about the Dream Center, about some of the things that we shared about today, make sure you go to dreamcenterpuria.org and uh, there's all different types of ways that you can get connected, both physically, not so much right now, but there are ways you can get involved with us, uh, obviously also financially, but also just prayer and, and you see what's on there. You can pray for us, pray for the team. A bit like what Bob uh, said, we we are in the similar position where we were able to go for the PPP, where we were able to protect uh, our staff, and we haven't had to lay any of our staff off. In fact, a lot of them are working way more uh, than normal uh, because of the need that we're seeing. Um, And so if you want to go on and help there, um, Bob, I I just realized as well, why do you tell the folks how they can connect with you? Um, You talk about this celebrating moments, Tell us a bit about how they can connect with you, especially through your website and if people are in Peoria, that type of thing, whether it's COVID or after COVID. So a couple different ways. One, Bob
0: at dot is my email and uh, feel free to reach out. You can always text or call me. Um, I can give that number out. I'm not afraid for that. And, and I'm, <laughs> on facebook i've never posted more um than i did now and you know within a week or so you're going to be able to stop out at jones brothers because i have faith that beginning of june end of may we're going to have guidance that you're going to be able to you know come out and you know currently we're working curbside so it gives us an opportunity to meet people out in the parking lot which is cool so
1: that's cool that's good you
0: can find me many places Yeah.
2: (laughs) If I ever need encouragement, I just call your number and listen to your voicemail. Bob always, Bob and me are always talking in the background and it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. We have a lot of
1: fun. (laughs) That's good. Well, uh, again, thank you guys for joining Brian. Thank you for joining me today. And Bob, thank you for joining us. And please uh, make sure that you uh, uh, check the next episode of the new reality podcast. Uh, Uh, Again, we're trying to do this every week uh, and please stay connected with us at dreamcenterpeoria.org. And uh, again, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this today. Thank you and speak to you next time.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Dream Center Peoria podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you know of anyone that would be interested in hearing about what we just talked about, we would encourage you to share this episode with them. Be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks.